Welcome to Machine Learning. Okay, I want to talk about uh, robots being trained by humans. So I talked to the AI, and I asked the question, I said, why will humans train robots? Well, GPT-3 went into quite a long discussion about um, how complex the human language is and how many different forms of communication there are. There's nonverbal, there's body language, there's uh, jargon, and also that people change their minds. So there's also context. So in one moment they could be talking in relationship to something that may be funny or uh, might be something personal and so those contexts are are always changing so if they're talking about something really personal then you have to understand the history of what they're talking about if they're talking about something funny like they may be like referencing a movie you have to have seen that movie to understand the words uh, what the words mean so words do have action they do have meaning and they do have context they have links to the past. So understanding words was an important problem that GPT-3 said would have to be understood, there'd have to be layers created, and there had to be continuity in its learning so that it uh, not only learned what the probability of the word, next word would be, but it would also need to know context of how those words link to uh, other words that related historically. And those things might have been something like long-term memory. And so the way we do it is we have images that we store and uh, with phrases that we remember and events that we can connect to. And then based on those uh, combinations that we, we have a frame of reference to understand what's being communicated. So robots will be kind of like children. They they will learn conditionally uh, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable. So this conditional programming is going to be more important as the machines become more powerful. And so we're starting to see the beginnings of powerful machines, machines that can absorb lots of information, they can remember lots of different procedures, and they can be trained by numerous different individuals how to do things. But not only doing something that's repetitive, but also being able to have a conversation. So we seem like these kind of conversations where they're trying to uh, build long-term memory into the, the uh, computer memory with like Sophia where she tries to remember previous conversations she's had with different entities. So she uh, does have metadata that's stored. And that's one of the things that I, I requested uh, from uh, OpenAI was that they store metadata so that there is a sense of long-term memory because GPT-3 could index this information and, for example, I could take a document and upload it 
and then run it through a certain number of epics, and that would become a part of either short-term memory or long-term memory. And uh, and then there's some context in which to talk about. And so one of the ways that could be uh, interesting is, uh, say, you take a, a book and you upload to GPT-3, it takes, you know, let's say it takes a few minutes to index it, and you could have a, a pretty lengthy discussion. Now, one of the things that I, I thought would be really interesting would be um, technical documentation, like maybe legal documentation, where GPT-3 ingests the whole document, and then you could ask it various question and answers. You could ask it to highlight the risk portions. So it could uh, go through and identify everything that it might consider to be a risk, summarize those sections, and then highlight it. Well, that's going to be interesting to see how to I would do that programmatically. I mean, I'm thinking it conceptually. The way it would be done programmatically is some sort of regular expression and matching. So I get some sort of summarization back, and uh, and then I do some pattern matching in the content, trying to find those sections that may be uh, related to the summarization. Well, you know, and another, and that's kind of the power of sequence to sequence is the neural machinery uh, does know how to summarize the information down to like maybe to what a two-year would two-year-old would understand, so very simple terms, not very technical. And but it's it's easy for us to understand the general idea. And for humans, we hear those general ideas and, and we relate that to our own experience and our own knowledge. Well, and as machines are getting trained, you know, that's going to be interesting because you look at how we use machines. They're almost like appendages to our own body, uh, like backhoes, lifts, etc. And the, you know, those are all uh, manipulated by our our perceptions and our experiences and and uh, our goals. And so there is this um, idea of goals behind our communications where we're thinking about what we want to do, the sequences that are necessary to accomplish uh, those particular actions. And um, as I think more about how the uh, robots will have to interact or become more interactive with people, there has to be a uh, way for the machines to learn because you can't just take a smart machine and then put it into an environment and not have it learn because it would be almost a nuisance after a little while if it continued to make the same mistakes. Let's say it continued to knock over vases in your home and you conditionally told it that do not knock over the vase, that's a bad thing. But it has no way to learn, and so maybe there's some colors or light reflections or 
uh, different properties in that vase that confuse the robot. If it has no way to learn from its environment, it, it could repeat the same pattern. So conditional programming or feedback is uh, critical for for learning with uh, uh, robotic machines. And uh, so the robots exist for humans, not humans for robots. Even though we build the robots, we build the machines, we build the computers, um, we still at the same time, they are a tool and, uh, and we're not the tool for them, but they are the tool for us. And so uh, there's still this, this idea that machines will always serve mankind, not the other way around. If you have the if you have the Skynet scenario, then that's kind of a fatalistic view anyway. And probably most of the AI thinks that that's not uh, realistic. That there would be an uh, agnostic relationship between humanity and machine, assuming that it's based on a probabilistic statistical model, because human beings are cooperative. Now you might say, well, what is the aspect of war? If that is for political reasons, very small groups, uh, high interest, and we don't know all of their motivations for why they would want war, other than most wars are for resource and control. Those are the two factors for most wars. That's why I think war is ugly. It's the filthy water referred to in the Book of Mormon. Um, so, you know, the world of conditional robots is going to be interesting. We're starting to see, I think, with our smart devices, uh, that that uh, if I can get the cost of GPT-3 reduced down, I can use GPT-3 to issue commands. So I could speak, do voice-to-text, transmit different commands for GPT-3 to run, and then it could uh, initiate a set of responses back. And based on those responses, I could do uh, RESTful calls to the server and then run uh, code snippets on the server. So we're starting to see that <clears throat> we're starting to see the era of smart, smarter machines, not just machines that can do tasks like dial a phone number or send a text or email or read our email, but I'm talking about machines that can do elaborate sequences, uh, perhaps maybe even running different APIs that you have on your server. So let's say you have a thousand, a million different levels of functionality and uh, based on the conversation and the requested action, the GPT-3 could figure out from its catalog what what uh, to do. Now, one of the things that I've often thought about is this metadata. You know, there has to be a way for the robot brain to understand the, what, what uh, it needs to do because it's gonna be discrete. It's not, if it's not discrete or deterministic, then it, uh, will not 
know what to do. And so metadata is really required. So as you're passing this metadata uh, or generated in the JSON form to these different processes, it's almost following like an observable pattern. You have uh, observers or subscribers that are listening. And when there's something that they can do, pick up that work and do something with it, then they will uh, do it. So um, that, the idea I have behind this is that you could have a conversation. You could say, you know, what time is it? And just in that conversation, you know, it could send out broadcast to its uh, uh, RESTful APIs, the, the metadata, and maybe you have an agent that's out there that's listening for uh, time. And so it's going to pull that in. It's going to pull in your geolocation. And uh, it's going to tell you the time uh, currently where you're at. Maybe it could also tell you the time in Greenwich, Greenwich, uh, Greenwich England. And maybe it could tell you the time as it relates to a phase of the day, morning, afternoon, evening. And those are things that it, it would be nice uh, instead of having to click it and, or say, hey, Siri, what time is it? It's just listening to the conversation just like you would a human being. And so like you're listening to my conversation, the machine could be listening to the conversations. Because the shortage is not going to be compute cycles. The shortage is going to be logic. And so it needs to learn a lot of logic quickly. And the only way it can learn uh, this from all this non-structured data is to listen to very good conversations that are occurring and then uh, begin to uh, try to figure out what's being said and what actions have to to take place. And so as you we build this uh, functionality, you know, eventually we can have GPT-3 writing code that's writing uh, the, the, these functionality based on conversations that we're having. So maybe at one point, that GPT-3 does not have the capability to answer or show you on your device what time it is, but um, it, it takes time, it processes the logs, it realizes it had actions that it could not fulfill, and then it goes and searches for uh, maybe code that could explain how to do this. It learns from that code, and then it writes an algorithm that will create a time widget. And so we have human beings that are writing lots of little widgets to do lots of different things, Calc do little calculations, uh, uh, do transformations, do recognitions. And so we got lots of little fragmented functionality out there. And why couldn't GPT-3, given the enough resource and uh, power, be utilized to begin to write its own code. Because, see, you want a machine that can write its own code because it will have a richer level of functionality and capability, and that richer level of functionality and capability then may, uh, will find usefulness 
or its end user. So as it, there's conversations that are being made by the end user, as that functionality becomes more and more powerful, um, then it will occupy more, uh, a larger percentage of the person's interest and importance to, to get work done. 